Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So excited to be up here with you guys this morning. Pastor Travis is out of town. Please keep him in your prayers as he travels. His son is being uh, deployed to overseas, so Mama had to go see him before he's gone. And so Pastor T is a good husband. He made it happen. So, so they're over there. Keep uh, Jacob in your prayers. He's going to be gone for about a year. So keep him in your prayers. Keep his beautiful wife in your prayers as well. Um, so today I was just, you know, like uh, listening to this song coming out here. It's, uh, you know, I don't know how many of you guys know that, but that was Michael Jackson. Um, I grew up in the 80s. I grew up with Michael. Uh, I was one of the ones at the, at the concerts, crying, screaming. No, I wasn't. Um, but, um, but no, I, I do. I love Michael Jackson. And, and I, you know, I was raised right. And um, I know all his songs. We all know all his albums and, and videos. My kids were raised right. They know Michael Jackson. And I was listening to the song. And um, and I thought, man, that makes, that makes a good message. I think Michael had something going right there. So I started thinking. I said, yeah, I'm going to use it. So I'm titling this message today. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. So I'm going to read out of Mark chapter 2, verse 23 through 28. It says, one Sabbath day, Jesus was walking through some grain fields with his disciples, and his disciples began breaking off heads of uh, grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures where David, what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. We go over to Mark 3. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save a life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and it was completely restored. It's by our heads prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for just giving me the opportunity to be up here, Lord. I pray that you would just be with me. Father, I need your help, Lord. Let every word that comes out be directed by you, Lord. I pray that it would penetrate the hearts of your children this morning so that we can walk out of here just a little different than the way we came in. 
We love you, we give, and we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And all his children said, amen. I'm so amazed at the ability of our Savior to completely heal and restore. Our God is a God of healing and restoration. Come on, our God is a God of healing and restoration. Some of you need to get excited about that. So today I want to talk a little bit about the man in the mirror. And so talking, um, what's crazy is I can sit up here. You know what's cool is I can sit up here, Isaiah, and I can, I can see you, right? And I can see all of you and what you guys look like. And you guys can see me, but you don't know what you look like. You can't see yourself. Right? I mean, you knew what you looked like when, when you left home and you were in front of the mirror and you put your makeup on and did your hair. But you don't know what happened between your house and the church and you don't know what you look like right now. Right? And I don't know what I look like. Have you, get, have you ever told yourself, you know what, I'm going to change some things about myself. Anybody ever said that? I'm just going to change some things about myself. You can't see yourself, right? So how are you going to go change something that you can't see? See, I, I, I'm here to tell you that in order to change something, you have to acknowledge that there has to be something that needs to be changed in order for it to change. And I'm here to remind you that you can't see yourself. And because you can't see yourself before that happens... We need to acknowledge the fact that there's brokenness, that there's things inside of me that needs to be fixed. And I have to acknowledge that so that God can begin to do what, he's, what he wants to do inside of me. I mean, come on. You can't see yourself. Have you ever, have you ever gone your whole day working, right, and you get home? You go to the bathroom, you look at yourself in the mirror, only to realize that you got all your lunch stuck in your teeth. I mean, seriously, I used to work for, for an architect firm, and I remember one day I had a really, really important, actually a couple of really important meetings, and I remember I washed my shirt the night before, and I, and I got dressed the next morning, and I mean, I got to meet with some important people, so I go the whole day. And I get home, and I take my shirt off, and realize I bleached it the night before. And if I would have known that, I would have changed. But you can't change what you can't see. You guys with me? I think it's important to have other people. That's why us married people are so blessed to have somebody on the other side of ourselves to remind us that there's something wrong. We need somebody on the other side of us to, that can tell us what it's like to be on the other side of me. See, that's a good question right there. I think everybody should ask that question. Who am I or what am I like on the other side of myself? Right? Who am I when somebody's looking at me? I see a lot of you guys checking out already saying, you know what? This message isn't for me. 
right? Because you're sitting there and you say, you know what, I'm a good dad, uh, I'm a good daughter, I'm a good, I'm a good, I'm a good son. Really? You ever parent yourself? How do you know? I'm a good friend. How do you know? I mean, I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. You ever been married to yourself? I mean, if I was married to myself, I'd probably last about a couple of minutes. I know me. I'm a good dad. I'm a good mom. I mean, they got a roof over their, their head, right? Really? You ever parent yourself? You can't see yourself. You can't see yourself. You can't change what you can't see. I'm just saying that if you don't know what it's like to be on the other side of yourself, it's really hard to change anything about yourself. But I want God to restore something in me. If I, got, if I want God to fix something in me, then I need to ask God to show me the things that are broken inside of me so I can address the things that are wrong that he wants to fix. My prayers, Lord, don't let me be like the Pharisees worrying about everybody else's problems and not seeing my own. Looking and highlighting everybody else's faults and not looking at myself. God, let me, let me focus first on the man in the mirror. Because then you'll be able to do what you want to do. Don't let me be a Pharisee. I don't want to be like the Pharisees. See, the problem with the Pharisees was that they, they, they were really good with microscopes. But they weren't so good with mirrors. Oh, they can, they can sit there and pinpoint everybody else's faults and focus on everybody, what everybody's doing wrong. But they weren't good with mirrors. They, didn't, they couldn't see the wrong in themselves. God, don't let me be a Pharisee. That's why I think Michael had something going with the song. I'm not going to sing it for you guys. I'm just going to read it. I don't want to clear the room out. He said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If we want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. And now I read the next, the next little verse because I like this one. It says, I've been a victim of a selfish kind of love. It's time that I realize Man, I do marriage counseling with people all the time. And, you know, when you have a selfish kind of love, it's a lonely love. You start being selfless, and you're going to see your marriage get better. You start being selfless, you're going to see your relationships be better. You're going to see your friendships be better. The Pharisees couldn't see themselves. And Jesus had an incredible ability to help them see themselves. And they hated it. They couldn't stand the fact that Jesus would show themselves to themselves. 
And that's why they got angry and they got mad. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit this morning, if that's okay. Why is it? We're amongst church people, right? Right? <laughs> okay, just checking. Um, um, but why is it that, that, that every person that you know, especially churchgoers, when they read the Bible, they identify with pretty much anybody in the Bible, but they, ne- they never identify with the Pharisee? Oh, come on, it's quiet. I mean, I've never caught myself reading the Bible and, 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 and coming across a Pharisee, ooh, that's me. It's never happened. I mean, I have the ability to identify with the woman with the, with the issue of blood and, 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 and everybody else, but when it comes to the Pharisees, that's not me. I want to remind you that you can't see yourself. You can't see yourself. So another question that you can ask yourself besides who am I on the other side of myself is, could the Pharisee be me? Could the Pharisee be me? See, the Pharisees had a lot of problems with Jesus. But you know what was at the root of their problems? What was their, the, one of their biggest problems was that they were jealous. They were jealous of Jesus. They were jealous. Isn't jealousy something? Right? How many of you know that when you're, when, when, when you're effective at what God has called you to do, people are going to be jealous? Listen, when you're effective at the calling that God has put on your life and you're excellent at it, people are going to talk. People are going to get jealous. Because you're not doing what the world is doing. You're doing what God has called you to do. See, I know that this is, I don't know, I know this is for somebody in here because you're stepping into your calling. You're, you're starting to do the things that God has called you to do. You stop doing some of the stuff that you were doing and you're really grabbing on to the things of God, but you got resistance. There's people that are pushing against you. There's people that are making fun of you and, and God is saying, no, no, you just got to hold on. You just got to hold on and keep doing what I've called you to do. People are going to talk when you're doing God's work. People are going to talk when you're walking and you're calling. People are going to get jealous. People are going to, people are going to make fun of you. When I first started ministry, I remember my, one of my pastors, she told me this. She said, Javier, if you choose to do ministry and live for God, you better be made out of Teflon. In other words, you better have thick skin. Because if you choose to live for God in this world, people are going to get jealous. People are going to talk. So you better, you better be made out of Teflon. Because people will be jealous. One of my favorite pastors says it this way. He says, jealousy is a trophy the mediocrity gives to excellence. Jealousy is the trophy the mediocrity gives to excellence, because when you are excellent at your calling 
in the calling that God has put in your life, people are going to get jealous. The Pharisees were jealous. They were, they were jealous of Jesus. Not only that, they didn't like the claims that Jesus was making. I mean, Jesus was walking around claiming that he was the Messiah, that he was the son of the living God. You know what else they didn't like? They didn't like the fact that Jesus had a reputation with hanging out with people with bad reputations. They didn't like that. The Pharisees had a lot of stuff against Jesus. But you want to know what got Jesus on the cross? You want to know what was the biggest issue that the Pharisees had with Jesus? It wasn't that he hung out with prostitutes and, and, and sketchy people. Right? It wasn't that he was claiming that he was the Messiah. The biggest problem that they had with Jesus was that he did everything on the Sabbath. That's the biggest problem. That's it. That's what crucified Jesus. That's what he, that, that he chose to do things on the Sabbath. Read your Bible. It says it all over your Bible, right? The only time the Pharisees got angry and upset was when Jesus was doing miracles on the Sabbath. You know, Jesus came to heal and to restore. The only problem was he did it on the Sabbath. And I like to think that he did it on purpose. He was trying to prove a point. See, Jesus came to break rules. Jesus is a rule breaker, right? You guys heard me say this. I got, I got this cup that Matthew made for me. I said, Jesus is gangster. I, 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 he is. Jesus breaks rules. I mean, Jesus came to earth to break rules so that you can have your healing and your restoration. He didn't care about rules. He cared about people. Amen. That's why he came. He was here to restore and to, and to heal. That was the whole purpose of him coming here. The only problem was that he did it on the Sabbath. Read it. It's all over your Bible. Luke 13. There's a woman who has a spirit of infirmity. I want you to grab onto this. Don't miss this. She's got a spirit of infirmity that is affecting her physical body. It's a spirit. This means that some of the things that you're going through that are affecting your physical body starts in the spirit. Right? Oh, I love doctors. Don't get me wrong. I love doctors. I love therapists. I, call, I love all of them. Massage therapists. I love those. <laughs> but there's some things that you don't need a doctor for. You need Jesus. You need deliverance from. The Bible says that she had a spirit of infirmity. And that spirit was affecting her body to the point that she was bent over crippled for 18 years. 18 years. For 18 years, she was crippled. She couldn't stand up straight. Can you imagine? Isaiah, for 18 years, 
walking like this, not being able to get up. 18 years. And I thought, man, that's a picture of humanity. Because how many of you know that you can't pull yourself up? That you can't get yourself together? You're a mess. You're a total mess. That's why you're, you, you, you need a savior because you can't do it on your own. So it says that she's got this spirit of infirmity. For 18 years, she's crippled until one day Jesus says, daughter, be healed. And instantly, she stands straight. After 18 years, all of a sudden, she's walking She's happy, right? It's a, it's a, it's a joyful, joyful moment. Everybody should be celebrating. Only problem is, she's walking on the Sabbath. John 5, there's a man that sits by a pool. A lame man sits by this pool named Bethesda. And every so often, the waters get stirred up, and the first one to get in the water gets his healing. And the Bible says that for 38 years, this man missed this moment. 38 years. I don't know who's in here today that needs to hear this, or somebody that's tuned in that needs to hear this, but... Some of you are sitting here carrying this weight, feeling like you missed it. You missed your moment. You, got it, you could have had it a year ago, but you missed it. And the enemy's in your ear shouting loud, like, listen, you, you missed it. You could, have had, you could have had your miracle a year ago, maybe even two years ago. Oh, but not now. You missed it. You missed your moment. 38 years, this man sat by the, by the pool and never got his healing. That's why I'm so thankful. Check this out, because Jesus looked at this man with expectation and said to him, do you want to get well? Jesus looked at him with expectation and said, do you want to get well? I don't know how many of you guys know people. Do you guys know people that have been going through some nonsense for a few years? And they're always going through the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. And I think Jesus has a bigger heart than I do because I tend to read this, this text and I would be like, like 38 years? Do you want to get healed? I mean, 38 years you've been sitting by this pool, you can't like roll over or like scoot over and get in the water. But it says that Jesus looked at him with expectation and said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And this guy Picks up his mat, he starts walking after 38 years, right? 
38 years is the first time he's walked. And it should be a celebration. But the only problem is he's walking on the Sabbath. Guess with me? You bored yet? John 9 says there's, some, there's another man who the Bible says was born blind. He was born blind, and Jesus and the disciples walk up to him. And this is probably one of the dumbest questions you'll see in, in the Bible. It says that the disciples walk up to Jesus and says, Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus looks at him and says, neither you dummies. I mean, that's not what he said. That's what I would have said. But he says, he says, it had nothing to do with his sin or his parents' sin. See, this is why you got to be careful when you're going through some suffering or through some trials. Because when you're going through suffering or you're going through trials, the trick of the enemy is to make you think that the reason you're going through that is because of something you did in your past. Or something someone did in, your, in, in their past and you're being punished for it. The, man, the enemy wants you to spend countless time of your life wondering if the reason why you're, going, what you, why you're going through or what you're going through is because of something you did in your past. And that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes it is. Right? You can't blame the devil for all your dumb choices, right? I mean, because honestly, you're blaming the devil. Sometimes the devil's standing back there going like, hey, don't blame me. I didn't have anything to do with this. That's all on you. I mean, you responded to that text at 2 o'clock in the morning because you were lonely. That was me. I thought that was funny then. <laughs> Tough crowd. <laughs> Jesus says, that's not the case here. We live in a broken world. And even though this happened, this happened so that the glory of God can be revealed through his healing. Yeah, he's going through this stuff, and he didn't have anything to do with it. But I'm still going to get the glory. I'm still going to be glorified. So you know what Jesus does? He spits on the ground. He makes a little mud, rubs it on his eyes, and tells him to go wash. And immediately, he gets his sight back. First time in his life, he can see. He's never, never been able to see. First time in his life, it's an exciting moment, right? Only problem is, it was done on the Sabbath. You guys with me? Yeah. Okay. We're going to get started now. Let me pray. <laughs> Just go back to the initial text, Matthew chapter 2, or Mark chapter 2. I'm sorry. I need eyeglasses. So here you see the, Pharisee, or the Pharisees 
in a grain of field following Jesus and the disciples in a grain of field. They're following him. They're stalking him. Right? In a field full of stalks of grain. They're stalking him. That one was... We're getting better. They were following Jesus. And it's kind of made me laugh a little bit. Right? It made me laugh a little bit because it says that they didn't like Jesus. But they're following him. And it's funny because sometimes things just never change. Because if we talk about social media, you know, you got people that don't like you, but they're following you. You don't like me, but you're following me. You're following me, and you don't like me. Get on follow, sweetheart. I'm not that important. I just thought it was funny. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> so the Pharisees are following Jesus and the disciples. And verse 23 says that one Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain and eating it. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days of uh, Abathar, when Abathar was the high priest, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that were only for the priests, that were only for the priests the priest to allow to eat. Only the priests were allowed to eat. English is a second language, don't judge me. Yeah. And it says he also gave some to his companions. See, I love how Jesus does, does this, right? Because Jesus just turns it back on the Pharisees, Right? He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't, he doesn't, he just turns it back on them. He says, haven't you ever read the scriptures? Of course they have. Right? They know, they know the scriptures. They, they got them memorized. He's not questioning their knowledge of the law. He's questioning their interpretation of the law. He's saying, you know the letter of the law, but you don't, but you've forgotten the spirit of the author. He's calling out the fact that you know the word, but you don't know the author. And because you don't know the author, you have elevated human tradition over people. You're more concerned about keeping rules than you are about loving people. So if you continue on verse 27, it says, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, and not people meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Human needs override human tradition. Come on, church. Human needs override the needs of people. That deserves a bigger clap than that, but that's okay. I'll keep working. We continue to Mark 3, and the Pharisees follow 
him. It says that Jesus was preaching in a synagogue and the Pharisees followed him there. And I can picture the Pharisees walking into the synagogue and kind of like it's just scanning the place. Right? They're following Jesus. They're scanning the place for broken people. Right? Because wherever there's broken people, Jesus has to heal. Right? So they're scanning and they're like, no, she's got two eyes. That's not her. No, no, he's got two legs. That's not, that's not it. They're scanning. They're scanning. How many of you guys know that the church is supposed to be a place full of broken people? The church is supposed to be a hospital for broken people. I don't know when we got to this thinking that the church has to be a place full of perfect people. The church was created to be full of broken people. That's what the church is for. And then the man with the shriveled hand is there. And I'm sure the Pharisees were like, oh, there he is. There's that dude. I knew there was one in here. There's that dude with the shriveled hand. Right? Isn't that what we do? Don't we always identify people by their nonsense, by their shortcomings? We're always, we're always identifying people. I mean, they don't identify them as like, oh, there's a dude with one good hand. Or there's a dude with two, two feet or two legs. No, it's the dude with the shriveled hand. And today I want to talk a little bit about that because I really believe that there's somebody in this place that you've been living your whole life defining yourself by what, somebody, by what somebody's put over you. And today's a day where you got to stop and realize that he's the one that defines you. Not your mistakes. Not your choices. I'm so thankful that I serve a God that identifies me for, for who he created not the mess that I made. We serve a loving God, a redeeming God. Stop defining yourself by your mistakes. The dude with the shriveled hand. So the, the man with the shriveled hand is there. And I want you guys to pay attention to something. I don't think that he was expecting a miracle to happen that day. Right? Because when you're expecting a miracle, you push through, right? When you're expecting a miracle, you get out. Listen, listen, the woman with the issue of blood, right? She knew that if she could just push through, she would get her miracle. Crazy Barnabas. I said that right. He knew that if he could just be loud enough and get Jesus' attention, he would get his healing. But this guy said, the Bible says he's just sitting there. I don't think he was expecting a miracle that day. 
He was just there. Kind of like some of us are here today. Just going through the motions. Not expecting a miracle because we missed it. You're sitting on your couch at home just saying, you know what? I'm just doing this because it makes me feel a little bit better, but I'm not expecting a miracle. So the man with the shriveled hand was just sitting there. And he didn't say anything. Why? Because the shriveled hand represents something different. The shriveled hand represents the thing that you've learned to live with. The shriveled hand represents that hope that you lost. See, his hand wasn't always shriveled. It's happened with time. The shriveled hand represents the thing that you feel like God can can fix. And God wants you to know today that he wants to restore that thing in you today. Whatever you've been living with that you've gotten used to and you feel that's just how you have to live the rest of your life, God wants to restore that today. Your marriage, he wants to restore today. That child that you thought you lost and there's just no hope for him or her, he wants to restore that today. That substance abuse that you've been dealing with and you just learned to accept it. At least I'm not doing as much as that person was doing. Or at least I'm not doing that. I know my daughter's probably listening, but this was her, her, her one thing that used to frustrate me growing up. She would get in trouble with something. And I would be like, babe. And she's like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Right? At least I'm not as, at least I'm not as bad as that. It's like, man, if you live your life like that, you're going to have a long life. So the shovel hand represents something that you've gotten used to living with. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then he turns to the Pharisees, check this out. If this is the only thing you get out of this whole message, this is what I want you to get. Because I believe that Jesus was trying to do a different type of miracle that day. And he looks over at the Pharisees and he says to them, he asks them a question, he says, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Simple question, right? That's a simple question that deserves a simple answer. But you see, the Pharisees were really good at religion. And religion always takes, takes what's simple and makes it complicated. It adds rules. It has regulations. That's what religion does. And it takes things that are supposed to be simple and makes them complicated. But look at what grace does. Grace takes that that is complicated and makes it simple. Because Jesus is the example of grace. So he takes what is complicated and he makes it simple. Simple. 
He says, which one, is, which one is it? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to destroy life? Simple question. And the Bible says that they remain silent. Really? Really, Pharisees? You don't have anything to say? You've been screaming, yelling about everything, about them eating a little bit of grain. But you don't have anything to say when it comes to brokenness. You don't have anything to say. See, you know you're a Pharisee when you can be loud about something, right? And quiet about other things. Come on, somebody. They remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at, the, at their stubborn hearts. At their stubborn hearts. He looked distressed at their stubborn hearts. You see what Jesus is doing here? They had shriveled hearts. They didn't always start that way. It just happened with time. They had good intentions at the beginning. They wanted to follow the law. They wanted to uphold the law. But little by little bit, they cared more about the law than they care about the people. And their hearts got hard. No wonder he looked at them first. He wanted to heal their hearts. Jesus wanted to heal their hearts. Jesus wanted to do two miracles that day. But the Pharisees didn't see it. I want you to understand that Jesus loves the Pharisees too. Jesus loves everybody. He was sent to the cross for everyone. That man's hand represented something that you've accepted, something that you've been living with. He wanted to heal their hearts because your hand is connected to your heart. Come on, somebody needs to listen to this today. Your hand is connected to your heart. And Jesus knew that if he healed their heart, it would stretch. Matthew, if you're in here, you can come up. I'm, gonna, I'm seven minutes over. It's Matthew's fault. He went too long. I'm going to shut it down right now. So Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And I can see the man looking at Jesus. He says, Jesus, if I could stretch my, my hand I would have done it a long time ago. And Jesus is saying, stretch your hand. But you don't understand. I've been like this for so long. I've gotten used to it. I'm okay. 
I learned how to live with just one hand. Stretch your hand. But Jesus, you don't understand. If I could have fixed my marriage a year ago, I would have done it a year ago. I just been through the same situation. You don't understand. I just learned to live like this. Stretch your hand. But you don't understand. I've had these addictions most of my life. My dad was an addict. My mom was an addict. If I could have healed myself, I would have had the power to, 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 to kick that addiction. I would have done it years ago. Stretch your hand. And I can see a picture of this man just stretching his hand kind of with a little bit of fear and just like and he stretches his hand and the Bible says that immediately when he stretched his hand his hand was completely restored and what happened with his hand could have happened to their heart what happened to his hand could have happened to their hearts if they would have just stretched out their hearts. The hand is connected to the heart. For some of you this morning, I wonder if you've been complaining about the thing in your hand and Jesus wants to heal your heart because he knows that when he heals your heart it's connected to your hand and you will reach for your blessing see uh, the problem is not that you're not able to reach the problem is your heart the problem was their heart if you need God if you want to just stretch out your heart this morning to the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to stand up really quick. Just We're going to close in prayer and in worship. Let's go ahead. Let's let everybody just run to your, stand to your feet right now. Come on. It's about a heart. It's about your heart. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what identity people have put over you. What matters is your heart. Jesus wants your heart so as we bow our heads close our eyes Heavenly Father today I'm just asking for you to restore hearts in this place God give us new hearts hearts to believe again hearts to trust again Jesus restore our hearts because God I know that if you restore our hearts the healing will come to our hands if you restore what's inside, all the stuff on the outside will be restored as well. God, I just pray for every single play, person in this place, every person listening online, Lord. Father, that you just grab a hold of their hearts, Lord. Father, that they would reach out to you, Lord, Father. Because God, you're a God that restores you restore the time that the enemies try to take away. You restore the time that we've thrown away, Lord Father. You're the God, the only God that can restore time.
And I'm asking you, Lord, that whatever they've accepted in their lives and in their hearts and in their minds to believe over themselves, Lord, that you will break that right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord Father. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. And all his children said, Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.